0: Alright, alright, what's up, what's up Welcome to another edition of the Nolan Show A live New Newark Sports YouTube and Twitter show Today I got a lot cooking for you today We got Knicks Game 5 Preview, Top bunk Sports David will be joining me in a few moments We also got a little Mets talk there The nice day off yesterday, the Yankees They have been struggling Anthony Volpe especially Gonna be getting into that in a little bit What else? Giants and Jets. We also got that on our list. Oh, and am I forgetting something? Did I not tell you something yet? Yes, Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. So that's some big news that we're going to get right into right away. We're going to wait a little bit for David to get in here from Top Punk Sports so we can chef up a little Game 5 preview as you see it. In the right-hand side of my corner, we got some new graphics today. Oh, yeah, we've been making moves over here on the Nolan Show. But let's pop it up right here. The New York Jets got Aaron Rodgers yesterday. Literally right after I hopped off my YouTube live stream, the New York Jets acquired the four-time MVP, the COVID MVP, the last Two, two out of the last three years, this guy has been the league MVP. None other than the bad man, Aaron freaking Rodgers. Remember, I think the last reliable quarterback that Jets fans like, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was that one year wonder. But we went through Chad Pennington. He was a good guy. Nothing crazy. We had with we had the Fitzmagic obviously. We had the Sanchez who took us to two AFC championships, two AFC championships. So that's not that that's not that bad. And then we had Geno obviously and then the Fitzmagic, Bryce Petty, remember Christian Hackenberg? Um he didn't even step on the field. And now Zach Wilson. Oh, and also Sam Darnold. But now, we're gifted the four-time MVP. That's who we get. And I love every second of it. So the Jets are Super Bowl or bust now. I was talking about a little bit yesterday. When and if Aaron Rodgers was traded to the Jets, and now that it's official, I could start talking about it legit. Garrett Wilson. He will be a top five wide receiver in the NFL. No doubt in my mind. Last season, he racked up over 1,100 receiving yards with Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco. I've been stating it over and over again. Now with a four-time MVP. Now with a guy who has not washed up. Last year, yeah, he had statistically a pretty low year. But for Aaron Rodgers, that's a bad year. For any other quarterback, that's their best season. Aaron Rodgers did that with a broken thumb. Aaron Rodgers did that. With a horrible wide receiving room. A horrible receiving room. Worse than the Giants. He had nobody to throw the ball to. Nobody. Now he has Garrett Wilson. He has Alan Lazard again. McCole Hardman, two time Super Bowl champ. Corey Davis still on the roster. Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzmoa, Michael Carter, Brees Hall will be back, will be back. Makai Becton. Hopefully he can be healthy. Get a full season out of him because we know what he can do when healthy. Elijah Vera Tucker, great talent. When he's healthy, one of the best O-linemen in all of football. We already have a top five defense. Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, best cornerback, football, and duo. There's rumors now of the Jets potentially being in on Joey Porter Jr. in the draft if he's available. Now imagine that. Three lockdown corners. So I'm going to get into that a little bit, the Jets draft rumors. But it's it's I mean you add another cornerback to this to this team with DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner already I mean that's secondary with Jordan Whitehead ho- hopefully he can take a bounce back season That secondary would be legit with Sauce Gardner and Joey Porter Jr. but I don't think the J- I don't think the Jets will do that that's just a rumor that I saw I don't think it it, may, it doesn't make sense add another o lineman especially with McKay Beckton the health concerns with him but Before I do touch upon the Jets a little bit more, now joining me is David from Top Bunk Sports. Make sure you give him a follow at Top Bunk Sports on Twitter. But yeah, let me pop him up right on the right side of my screen right here.
1: Yo, yo, what's up, David? What's up, man? How are you?
0: Chilling, chilling. Just talking about some New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers, you know, big news out of there. What do you think about that, though, before uh, we sprinkle in some Knicks talk?
1: Yeah man I think um I will, I think it's good for New York uh in general. I'm I'm am I'm a, I'm a giant I'm a Giants fan uh so the fact that I you know the fact that we play them uh, in, in the upcoming season I think it's going to be very fun. I think uh, New York sports is back as a whole and um it's oh, going to yeah. be very fun to see. Um you know I always say congratulations to the Jets cuz they've been struggling, you know, quarterback wise and just team wise overall. And after what we saw last year with them, they had their their complete team. It was just their issue with their quarterback, you know, from going with the Zach Wilson situation to the Mike White, you know, to Flacco. Uh, so now that they have a quarterback that has won a Super Bowl, that has been to the playoffs consistently, uh, that has been there to the dance, that actually has helped now, unlike what he's had in Green Bay. Um, it's good now. They're basically in the run not only to win the AFC, but to get a Super Bowl, So I think with the giants and the jets, both trying to make it to the playoffs and the giants trying to do it again. Um, it's going to, it's going to be fun to see what happens next season. I think it's going to be dope.
0: Yeah. 100%. I'm pumped for it. I'm a jets fan. Unfortunately, I have to say that I'm a jets fan, but (laughs) you know, the last day has been pretty good. Um, but yeah, Knicks (laughs) overall, you know, you got the hat on right there. Julius Randle, though, before we do get into the positive Nick stuff, let's get uh, let's get with the negative stuff out of the way first. So Julius Randle, he's been struggling a lot. I think he's only got like fourteen a game right now through the first four. Obviously, he got benched for Ob Toppin late in the game. Big adjustment by Tibbs. What do you think about what do you think about that adjustment? And what do you think about Randle overall this series?
1: Well, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think as far as Tibbs you know, I got to tip my hat to him. Uh, when you talk about a coach that barely makes adjustments, uh, a coach that really doesn't cater to what the fans really want, as far as having Randall sit a certain amount of minutes and have OB in there. Um, he really showed that adjustments are key in certain situations. You know, when your star guy isn't having the best game, and you're realizing that the ball moves better with OB in there and the, and there's better spacing and it benefits because now you can score better. He, really, he, he showed us that he can make that adjustment and go with the flow of the game. So that's what you saw there. I know, you know, Julius Randle, a lot of people were saying he wasn't happy with it. But reports, a lot of reports came out and said that he was happy, high-fiving teammates, laughing with teammates. So I think... It's, it's tough on Julius Randle because you're going to hear those narratives talk about that he has an attitude issue, that he is not happy with the team. Meanwhile, he's sitting on the bench laughing with the guys, having a good time celebrating the fact that they won because he understands, yo, I'm upset with my game. I'm not upset with my team because we understand where we're at and we understand that we're in a position to move on to the next round and be a really good Cleveland Cavaliers team. So, I, you know, it's not it's not about me. It's about the team. If I'm not contributing the way I want to contribute, I can let my frustrations with the way I'm playing affect the team, and that's what you saw. I think Randall right now is gonna improve. I don't have no doubts that he's not gonna, that he's gonna stay in this funk. I think there has to be something with the injury that he encountered with his ankle um, that we just don't know about. I think there's still issues with it that he's kind of you know trying to take it easy on, and preferably I can not really. I can't really, you know, dag on him that much because if if his ankle injury is still in effect with this situation, at least he's out there playing. You know what I'm saying? At least he's trying to give it a go and it's like, "Yo, I'm not 100%, but I'm still going to be on the floor trying to score and trying to do what I can to help my team." So, I think he'll get in the groove. Um game 1, even though he went 10 to 19, 10 and 19 is 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 good. And you saw a lot of a lot of stuff that he did in game one that weren't on the box score like you saw that that game winning rebound that he got to, to give it to quentin grimes so then they fouled quentin grimes and gave quentin grimes the chance to hit those two clutch free throws to put the game over julius Randle doesn't normally go for rebounds like that so it's stuff like that that he does that affects the knicks in a positive way that's not always in the box score so i think as far as him putting up his points and, and really scoring I, I think he'll get there i think to me, I think he's still battling that injury, but who knows? But uh, the, the narrative that he's been negative towards the team and stuff like that, he wasn't because reports came out that he was happy with the team, five and laughing with them. He's just probably frustrated with his own play because, you know, he can do better.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that you stated there is that he's upset with his own game. He's not upset with the team. And that's the biggest thing that I can <clears throat> take away from what you said because I think that's what Knicks fans need to understand. When we see Randall not necessarily – looking so happy and uber excited it doesn't mean that he's pissed off that the Knicks are winning and he, he's just pissed off with this game he wishes he could put his 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 team in a better position to win himself uh, and, and the Knicks could really use him and I think it's a great sign honestly that him and Emmanuel quickly another guy who I want to get into um, they've both been struggling and the Knicks have looked great with both of them um, who've made such a – they've made a huge impact all regular season. So if they can just secure this series up, I'm sure next series will bounce back or even tomorrow night. But Emmanuel, quickly, he's struggling too. What do you think of him? He looks like a little afraid sometimes this series, uh, but should Knicks fans be worried about him in the playoffs?
1: I don't think so. I think Emmanuel quickly uh, lets the game come to him. Um, you saw in game in game three and in game four, he was kind of sco- – he was scoring – finding his spots. I think, you know, just pressure is pressure at the end of the day. Uh, Nervousness is nervousness. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, again, he this is the first time that he's seen the playoffs since twenty twenty one. This is the first time that he's actually getting more minutes in the playoffs than what he did in twenty twenty one. So I think, you know, he's letting the game come to him. Now he's getting comfortable. You see RJ RJ was trashed the entire year. Then all of a sudden he picks it up in the playoffs. Normally it would be he's good in the season and then in pressure situations in the playoffs, he's trash. It, it happens to, to a lot of players, but in the, it's it's the other case for RJ Barrett and you like to see that. So it, quickly it's going to get him time to, to, to figure it out. But at the end of the day, like I said, it doesn't matter with any Nick player. This is the first round of the playoffs. Let At, at some point it's going to get to them that – that it's going they're gonna get comfortable and they know they know what they have. They know what they can do. This team is special. This team can build on the success in the playoffs. And the main key is Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson makes everybody around him good you have Jalen Brunson and Manuel Quickly there. He makes Manuel Quickly good cuz he finds Manuel Quickly in certain spots. So at the end of the day, I think Manuel Quickly knows what he has to do. Manuel Quickly can break down uh, the defense. Manuel Quickly is quick on his feet. A lot of defenders can't stay with him. So he 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 he, he has to just cater to his game. A lot of the, that's what it is. If 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 you can't find yourself with that team, cater to your game. Do what you know what you can do best and that and that way it gets you in an effect so then the team can adjust to you and gel to you. Maybe that's, you know, it's all about adjustments, like I said, at the end of the day. So it's the same thing with Emmanuel quickly.
0: Yeah, adjustments. And the big adjustment was uh, Obi Toppin getting those late minutes. So outside of Randall though, Obi Toppin, what do you think this means for him going forward with the Knicks? Do you think he's going to see more minutes now overall? I mean, he did look great. He was all over the offensive boards as well, too. So not only on the defensive end, on the offensive end, he was great. So. Obi, tell me about him. What do you think of him going forward?
1: I think I think with Obi, it, it's a tough situation because, you know, now that Tibbs came on, basically said that Randall's going back to his regular minutes, um, I think that kind of put a diminish on him. So that's why when he didn't play, when Randall didn't play the whole entire fourth quarter, everybody was kind of shocked. I mean, at some point, you know, when I was at the watch party watching it, we all said, oh, there's a timeout, Randall's coming in. And he wasn't in. So every time there was a timeout in the fourth quarter, we all thought Randall was coming in, and he didn't come in. Obi was still staying there. So it was a very big surprise, but it was it was a very round of applause, good adjustment for him to keep Obi in there because, like I said, he understood that Obi creates space, the momentum with Obi in there and Hart in there, it, it was working well because we kept scoring. The defense was great on the with, with the with the bench in there and with Obi in there. So I think he understood that and he made that adjustment. So with Obi, I think. If you do what you did for game one and game two and you cut Randall's minutes, like how you did, even if he's not injured, involve both of them because the team it gels well with both of them having those minutes. And, and when he cuts those minutes and he has Randall and OB in there and it benefits us, we've seen it work. So I think it would, it would benefit the Knicks in, in that regard, but you know, it just all depends on, on Tibbs. I think, uh, I think Ob works well regardless. Um, Ob knows how to do a lot with the bench, um, so I think I think it, it, it benefits him a lot. Um, whether you put him with the starters or where you put him with the, with the bench, so I think he's in a good pos- he's in a good position because they they know how how good the offense gels with him. And you know who knows if 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 he continues what he what he's doing with the bench in in clutch times like he did in game in game four in that fourth quarter, Tibbs might do the same thing again. So you know I, I think I think his presence. And what he's done on the court, as far as offensively and defensively, um, I think it, it helps the Knicks well. Uh, um, as far as like adjustments and how the team rolls.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see that going forward. Tibbs making adjustments, especially in crunch time, it's big time. It's big time. A lot of the Knicks fans were harping him on that. Um, but Josh Hart, 13 and a half points per game this playoffs. He made a spot start for Quentin Grimes. I think he had 19 points overall, but right now he's also getting 2.2 steals. Oh, no. One and a half steals. That's Mitch and and Hartenstein combined, which is another thing I do want to get into a little bit later. Those two. But Josh Hart, 13 and a half points per game, shooting 60 percent from the field, one and a half steals per game, 6.8 rebounds per game right now during the postseason. How has he impacted the Knicks winning wise? And overall, how do you think like he's just gelled with this team, especially Jalen Brunson?
1: oof i mean nova boys nova boys that's that, that's what it is um he he fit right in he fit right in um the narrative that it was a good pickup but it wasn't a solid pick it wasn't a great pickup because we had to give up a first round i mean he's putting that to bed he's putting that to bed he's juggling well with the guys the guys love him i mean he's played with julius randall before when they were on the lakers um he's He's played with uh, Jalen Brunson when they were in Villanova. Like I said, Nova boys. Um, and again, he is a veteran that understands his presence. He knows that he's a really good defender. He knows that he can score. Uh, he knows that he can make everybody else better. And you saw that his first couple games and after that. He he he, he is a big piece to this team. Um, he is one of the reasons why the Knicks are where they're at. The Knicks finished where they were able to finish in the fifth seed because of his presence and what he was able to do on and off the off the ball, like on both sides of the ball. So I think he benefits well. You saw both in game three and game four what he was able to do defensively, how he was able to score. I mean, he takes it to the basket. And at the end of the day, these guys love him. I think with what, what benefit A lot of people are always talking about, oh, is Josh Hart going to start? I've always said... Don't start him. If he comes off the bench and he's a big bench piece because we didn't have a bench piece like that and he helps these young guys, it's going to work out. And you've seen that since he's been here in that trade. He's been such a big key, not only for the bench, but when he stays there in that starter and that starting role, he helps Jalen Brunson. He Jalen Brunson finds him. Uh, uh, he moves the ball well. Um, he goes after every offensive rebound and defensive rebound. Like, this kid is a juggernaut in the paint. So, at the end of the day, he's been very, very, very helpful. He's been a big key to this team. I would not be surprised if the Knicks get him in the summer, Um, you know, they pick up his contract in the summer. And at the end of the day, like I said, he's, he's going to be a very big key, especially now that if there's a possibility that Miami beats the Bucks and we end up, you know, finishing the the, the this round with, beating Cleveland and we play Miami he is going to be a very big key in locking down Jimmy Butler and I have confidence that he will because of the fact that he's locked down a lot of you know key big players in his career so I think you know he's been a very very good a very good pickup has surprised a lot of people and there's nothing that I can say about him about his game about how he's dealt with the Knicks. he's he's been a perfect pickup for the Knicks
0: everything you're saying right there. I agree with 100% defensively. I think he provides so much and then offensively he's able to step in and provide a lot as well. Um, and it, it, not every night is he going to drop 15 plus points, but you see it just in game one and game 2 he we'll go off for 17 or 19 when, when the Knicks need him, especially had a big he had a big, uh, big three point shot. I remember in game one and then um, just overall, man, Josh Hart, the energy that he provides. It's great. Love to see it, but One of the last questions I do want to ask you before I ask you your predictions, Mitchell Mm -hmm. Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein, the -hmm. center duo. I've been saying that it's the best center duo in the league. We might not have the best center, but we got the best duo. So what do you think of those two right now? They got combined. This is their combined stats. They got 2.8 blocks per game, 2.2 steals per game, and 14.3 rebounds per game from our two monsters down low. So what do you think of those guys?
1: I think uh, I think Mitch and I and uh, I heart have been have been gotten better um, as far as, as just basically what they're what they're rebounding. I mean, they understand. I, I've always said it. You know, rebound is the key to, to the success of the Knicks. Every rebound, what they do is when when Mitch I heart get a rebound, it's always a fast break. They're always pushing the pace, and when you're pushing the pace and you're trying to score right away, it benefits the Knicks a lot. So I think um, with Mitch, again, he's fine. He's basically the, the, the main guy that he doesn't score every night, but, again, those key rebounds are basically what he caters to. They, they benefit a lot. It's the same thing with iHeart. Especially with iHeart because iHeart's able to control the ball, find find certain guys open on the top of the key, or find certain guys in a post, and 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 really just gel the offense when he can. So a, a lot of a lot of control uh, goes through the our centers, and they've been very well. I mean, iHeart for example, they didn't have a, his first his first half of the season was terrible. Said what he said, apologized to the fan base basically said that he, he 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 wants to do better and ever since then his second half was amazing and it's gone on to the playoffs he's been able to be efficient same thing with 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 Mitchell Robinson I think Mitchell Robinson like I said he's been you see him with more energy you see him more active on, on not only rebounds but just moving around trying to pick up guys and pick and roll situations so you know it, it, it's great to see because I, I think in the beginning of the season our center issue was one of the main problems that a lot of Knicks fans were talking about. So it's great to see what change they have developed in the second half of the season and what they've been able to do in the playoffs because it's noticeable to me. Yeah,
0: especially Mitch being a homegrown guy too. It just makes it that much better. Um But R.J. Barrett, I know I said that was one of the last ones, but R.J. Barrett. Also, what's the stat? Chris, what's up, bro? How you doing? He just hit a comment and he said – Not letting Hart walk in free agency. Yes. Yes. He agrees. Yes, sir. He's a huge part of this team going forward. I do hope we bring him back too. Um, But R.J. Barrett, a lot of people are getting on him. Even myself, I was even bringing up the points like, should we potentially cut his minutes? Should we take his shots down, give it to guys like Quentin Grimes? But then he made me eat my words by going three of six from three on Friday night. And then obviously this past Sunday, he goes off for 26 points. So RJ Barrett, what is he doing differently that he wasn't doing in the regular season or in the first two games of
1: this series? He's basically just being aggressive. Um, and he's not taking stupid shots at the end of the day. He's he's trusting his game, he's trusting himself, he has confidence in himself, he understands what he does for this team. Um, he you see the confidence in there with his three-point shots that he was taking. I mean, at one point when RJ was taking threes, it was basically like a oh no moment or please make it type of thing. Now, with these lot with his last two or three games in the playoffs, every time he makes it, everybody has confidence that he's going to make it because he has the confidence in himself when he's going in and he's driving in on a Jared Allen. When you're thinking that a Jared Allen is going to punch it and he makes a layup under Jared Allen, that's confidence that's giving you key to say, yo, I'm, I'm R.J. Barrett. I'm going I'm to a, I'm a run through you, and I don't care who you are. I don't care what weight advantage you have on me, what height advantage you have on me. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to be aggressive, and I'm going to make this layup. You see him a lot of times really controlling the pace and really just letting the game come to him, not always – Trying to aggressively just trying to score to score, letting the game come to him, taking his pace, finding his shots that he needs to find when he's wide open, take the three when he knows that he has a baby on him and he could post up and really drive in. He does it. He doesn't he doesn't overthink to himself. And that's what you're seeing. And I think also he's feeding off of the energy. I think when he understands that everybody's giving him that energy and really allowing him to score I, and and guys are finding him instead of him just having to take it on his own and getting upset because certain guys don't see him open in the corner or open, in, or open up in the post or at the, at the top of the key, people are, are actually giving him the ball finding him open, letting him do his thing, and when he's doing his thing, he knows that these guys can't guard him. He knows that he's um he's a a dangerous matchup. He knows that he can score on anybody, and that's and the the main thing, like I said, is key and confidence. When R.J. Barrett has key, and has confidence in himself. Oh, he, he's he's unstoppable, and that's what you're seeing right now. So I'm happy to see that he's doing that, especially in the playoffs, because I've always said that if R.J. Barrett comes alive in the playoffs, he's a big difference in this team. RJ Barrett is the one guy that needed to wake up for this team to be a difference. And I think he can be a difference closing this series out. And he could be a difference in the Miami Heat series if we advance and we go and play Miami Heat if the Heat advance. And I think, listen, we in, during the season we were talking about him possibly getting traded or us cutting his minutes, like you said. But I think if you're looking at this performance, if this performance, the last two games continues, and he consistently keeps doing it. You're going to have to think about it in the summer. Yo, we might have to, you, you know, help him with his workout in the summer, but also know that this kid still has a lot to offer. He's still young, and he still could bring a lot. This We can't just judge him based off this season. So he's showing a lot of potential, and I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. So you
0: think R.J. Barrett's got any shot of winning the fans back over that are harping on him? Because I agree with you 100%. I think R.J.'s got... I think he's got all the potential in the world because Julius Randall, what it took him seven years till he made his first all NBA team. Like I get it. It's year four for RJ, but mm-hmm. it was year seven and that's when Jules really started popping off and doing all NBA players. So it does take time.
1: So yeah. you think he can win back to fans? I believe so. I mean, you talk about getting RJ Barrett chance two nights in a row at home and, and everybody going crazy. I was one of them. I, I, after game, uh, after Game Four, I, I I was in that crowd. I was literally at a bar next to MSG, so I was out there with the crowd. And I, I, the amount of times they were chanting R.J. Barrett, um, it, it was it was great to see because, like I said, he's a draft pick, third third draft pick in the 2019 draft, homegrown player. Like that's it's dope to see, especially after all the ridicule that he was getting in the season. Now it's cool to see that at the biggest moment in it of the Knicks right now in the most important time in the playoffs, he's getting that respect and he's earning that trust back. And so it's great to see. I think, I think he's earned it and he's going to continue to earn it because they understand how important he is to this organization.
0: Yeah, he is 100% and he's a leader too. He's a common presence. Yeah. Always been. And when it's, even when it's not, I feel like in the beginning of the year when it wasn't going well for him, you saw it on the defensive end, he would kind of be lackadaisical, but now, even in the first two games, he didn't have it all offensively, but you saw it defensively. I think right now, yeah. yeah, he's averaging one and a half steals per game right now during this series. So love to see what RJ is doing on both ends of the floor. But game five, what? Uh, give me your three keys. Give me three top keys that you think the Knicks need to go well for them to win game five.
1: Well, they basically just have to take notes on how game two happened. Um, you can't get off to a rugged start. Your defense has to be on top. Um, so I think the three things, like I said, for me would be uh, defense. Your defense has to be top uh, on, on top tier because you know that they're basically going to take a piece of, of the pie of what you did in game, uh, game three and game four with home court advantage. So you know that their defense on you is going to be no spacing. They're going to be aggressive on defense. So you got to give them the same thing. You can't just let them dog you out like you like they did in game two. Um, I think scoring wise, you, you got you got to keep scoring every possession that you have. You, you got to score. You got to make sure that this team that, that, that you're scoring on this team um, consistently find open, open guys, space the floor out create ball movement. That's one thing we really haven't seen from the starting unit. A lot of times you see ball movement happen from the bench. You don't see ball movement happening with the starters. The starters need to create ball movement and let that flow around the team. When ball movement is going around with the team, it flows with everybody because they understand that's the key to the success that they're having in that game. And the third one, like I said, at the end of the uh, just feed off everybody's energy. I know you're, you're in hostile territory, you're in enemy territory, but if everybody else is playing great and everybody else's confidence and everybody else is, 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 is on a roll, Feed off of your guys. Don't feed. Don't feed off anybody else. Feed off your teammates. Feed off your guys. Because at the end of the day, it's only you guys that are talking to each other. If Tibbs is giving you guys a play, run that play, but running with confidence. Know that you guys can complete that play and score whenever you need to score. So just you know, play better than what you did in game two. Make sure your defense is on top. Make sure your offense is at an all-time high. Score whenever you can, and just make sure that you that you keep that run to yourself and make sure Cleveland doesn't get on a run. If they can do that we're closing out that series for game five
0: love to hear it love to hear it i think the biggest thing like you said is that ball movement especially with the starters i would love to see i love Jalen brunson but julius Randle. at times it feels like the iso ball is too heavy but in game one he was very unselfish with the ball so if he can kind of get back to that i think that'll be perfect for the knicks but yo david thanks for joining me today and before i let you go is there anything you want to say
1: Oh man, I appreciate you having me on, man. It, it, it's it's dope. Like I said, I love the content. Uh, please give my guy Noah, James a a follow, and you know, please support him. Please support him. He's a big uh, he's a he, he's big on what he does. He knows his stuff. Um, and I appreciate you having me. Like I said, man.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks, man. And uh, same back to you, man. Everybody, give Top Bunk Sports a follow. I don't know your Twitter off the top of my head. Uh, your actual personal Twitter username off the top of my head, but at Top Bunk Sports straight up. Make sure you give that a follow on Twitter. You also got a YouTube channel I peeped out. So we got to get that up there too. You got to start advertising that more because yeah, yeah. you got some good stuff there. I peeped that little that interview Appreciate you had actually with Millie Sports. And she's got some good stuff too. So I love what you had too. So uh, yeah, make sure you guys go give Top Bunk Sports a follow on Twitter and make sure you subscribe to his YouTube channel as well. And thanks, man. Thanks for hopping on.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, man. Everybody have a good day. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Deuces.
0: All right, all right. Well, I will be right back. I'm going to be getting right into some Jets and Aaron Rodgers news. But for now, enjoy this video, my little own commercial break, I guess is what I'm going to call it, with Wardy New York Mets, baby. And, you know, even after Otani, you know, what do you think? What do you think about Steve Cohen as a whole? Like, you think this guy, what do you think he did for this Mets franchise so far?
2: Yeah, I think starting with the first half of the question, Otani's certainly on the table. Um, uh, The biggest barrier in the Mets' way from them landing him isn't dollars, but it really is just preference. Um, If Otani still has the same preference that he had uh, entering the MLB, which is West Coast, then the likelihood of him landing with the Mets isn't as strong as, say, the Dodgers, who while the Dodgers might not be able to put up the highest dollar, uh, for Otani the way that the Mets would, it wouldn't be shocking if Otani, say, took a slight pay cut from the Dodgers versus what the Mets offer would be. They weren't drastically different to stay in LA, that area, to be with the Dodgers and be on the championship winning type organization still. So that is the biggest hurdle in landing him. but rest assured, we've all known by now that when Cohen has his eyes set on someone, he's going to do everything physically and humanly possible to acquire them And, you know, I don't expect a Carlos Correa, you know, broken ankle type situation 2.0 here with Otani. So, rest assured, if the interest is there, which we all know it is, uh, the Mets will at minimum do their due diligence and give a valiant effort in landing him. And should they not especially, then you look at the Manny Machado. You know, I I think either way, the Mets are in a strong position to land one of the top free agents next year. It's just a matter of if it's going to be the best player in baseball Or is it going to be one of the best third basemen in the game? So, yeah, we'll discuss that more as we get closer to the trade deadline, depending on where the Angels are at and things of that nature. But, yeah, they will certainly be involved. And to answer the second part, yeah, Cohen, I mean, everything that I say you know by now, right? He's just done an amazing job as Mets owner over the past couple years. Um, I had the privilege of meeting him um, a couple months ago back in early January at a Mets event, and he was just, you know, Exactly what you would expect him to be. I mean, just the fact that he goes so out of his way constantly to interact with fans, people, media, just really showing that the only difference between you and I and Cohen is the dollars in our net worth. Aside from that, the same interest level is there when it comes to being a diehard true Mets fan. That is what. Is was the focal point in him buying the team in the first place? It wasn't because of this being a superior investment long term. No, it's because he wants to bring championships to Queens as as a desperate fan, and I don't blame him. I, I would do the exact same thing if I had the money to back it and if I were in his shoes. So, um, yeah, everything he's done from top down, not only in the organization with the amount of funding for the roster, which is close r- right around double more that he spent on. Guaranteed contracts alone, since he became an owner, which is around $1.3, $1, $1.4 billion, then the next closest owner in baseball over the past couple of years, which is Steinbrenner of the Yankees, around $880 million. Um, aside from investing a record amount of dollars over that period of time with on-field products, it's off the field. It's with the coaching staff, with Walter Epler, the hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars that he's also spending in the analytics department, which is something that the Mets didn't even have. When Cohen became owner, it's it's from the smallest things to the biggest things, the medical staff. I mean, everything and everyone that is currently a part of the Mets organization is making this look night and day from what it was just a couple of years ago. And it just shows you that, yeah, having a lot of money certainly helps. But knowing how to properly allocate it into every single area of need and just to give you superiority over the next club as a rival, either in the division or just going for a championship as a whole, will certainly help do wonders for a team. And that is the case with Cohen and these New York Mets. Uh, beyond grateful to have him as All right, we're back.
0: We are back. We are back. We are back. Let me switch up this cam real quick, but let's get into some new topics, some new topics. Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. I opened the show with it, but let's let's get into it. What does it do for the Jets? Well, one, Garrett Wilson, he's instantly a top-five wide receiver. I don't want to hear anything else. Don't give me, oh, well, Justin Jefferson, oh, and this guy from the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, blah, 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 blah. No, Aaron freaking Rodgers is going to make Garrett Wilson a top-five wide receiver. When you put up over 1,100 yards, when Zach Wilson, the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL, and you have Joe Flacco the most washed-up quarterback in the history of the NFL, and Mike White, one of or could have been the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, but now he's going to be the worst quarterback in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. When you have those three guys throwing you the football and you're still able to put up over 1,100 yards, I'm sorry, I'm I'm going to say it, you're going to be a top five wide receiver in my book. That's just how it rolls. Um, but all, overall, Aaron Rodgers makes his team a Super Bowl team. Not even trying to not even trying to be funny there. I mean, who are the top three teams in the AFC right now? Now it's obviously the Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, I'd say the Cincinnati Bengals, no doubt. And number three, the New York freaking Jets. Tell me otherwise. Tell me otherwise. Um Yo, it's up, Key. Shout out, Shane Sons. Shout out Shane Sons. Make sure you go give their most recent episode a watch. They just uploaded it on Monday. They're on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you give them a shout-out. Follow them on Twitter, too. Those are my guys. We'd be doing the watch live parties. We've only done two of them so far. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be running it up. We're going to be running it up. But Aaron Rodgers, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Drop in the comments below what you think. What can he do for this Jets team with Brees Hall coming back with a torn ACL? Um, Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. See, here's the thing. I agree with how he could scare some people because this is the one thing that scares me about Aaron Rodgers. It's not the play. It's not what he's going to be able to produce. It's in the playoffs because in the regular season. I think, you know, you could sign us up for an 11 to 13 win season. Honestly, I think we're going to be fighting for that AFC East division with the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to kick them right off like right off the bat either because Tua went healthy. He looked like an MVP last year. I know. Tua isn't a top five, maybe even not a top 10 quarterback, but he does produce, I won't lie there. So, and they also have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, the two of the best, probably the best wide receiver doing the game. So I'm not just going to write them off completely, but I think the Jets and the Bills are much better than the Dolphins still, especially defensively. And I think the Jets have the edge defensively over the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you look at it, look at how they controlled Josh Allen last year in the two games, even the game that the Buffalo Bills won, Josh Allen still looked like absolute dog water against the Jets defense. So I'm listen, I think the Jets got the AFC East on lock, but the one thing that does scare me is the playoffs. Cause Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs has just not gotten the job done. And now that you're, like with the Packers it's one thing. It's one thing. It, it, I don't know if it's Favre 2.0. Like it yes it has the similarities but with Favre, Favre he he was using the Jets. Favre straight up used the Jets. He came here to go somewhere else. With Rodgers, the only thing is it's he wants to play. He he wants he wants guys to come here. He wants the Jets to surround him with pieces and he wants to play for two or maybe 3 years now is what the reports are saying, maybe even a fourth. Depends how the Jets do, I guess. But I think, I think what scares me though is that playoff Rodgers because regular season Rodgers, like I said, I think he'll be back to maybe not his MVP self, but I think he'll be a top five quarterback st- statistically. You know, at the end of the year, I think you're like if he has a full on healthy season, Aaron Rodgers will get the Jets 11 to 13 wins. He'll throw over 4,000 yards. He'll have over 25 to 30, 30 passing touchdowns. And we'll probably win the uh, the AFC East. But the playoffs. Can we get by a Joe Burrow? Can we get by a Josh Allen? Can we get by a Pat Mahomes? Now, the one thing that does excite me is with the defense that we attain, yes, I do think that we can do it. And with the quarterback being named Aaron Rodgers and not just a Joe Schmo like if we had Derek Carr if we did end up getting Derek Carr I wouldn't feel as confident rolling in with a four-time like I want a four-time MVP going up against one of the top five QBs in the NFL I mean Justin Herbert also is in the AFC Trevor Lawrence is in the AFC like the, the AFC is stacked so we do need like that's why I'm also like yeah, let's fucking go. We got Aaron Rodgers. It's freaking awesome. He's the perfect quarterback for this team right now with the two-year window that we do have because, you know, we have Sauce Gardner. We have DJ Reed, CJ Mosley, Quentin Williams. Like, yeah, they're young, but they're not getting any younger. Um, CJ Mosley's not young also. Jordan Whitehead, too. He's he's up there in age. We could use a big year out of him. And then on the offensive end, I mean, we just brought in Alan Lazard and McCall Hardman to help this guy out. Garrett Wilson has all the potential in the world. I was just raving about him earlier. Um, Brees Hall, obviously the leading rusher in his senior year of college, came in looking like he was going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year before he tore his ACL. And then you, you also have Corey Davis still on the roster. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. They have the 15th overall pick in the draft that they still can use to, to, to bolster this team, Mikai Beckton and Elijah Vera Tucker, this jets team is rock solid headed into 2023. And they, like I said, just said before, they still have that 15th pick, which is huge. So they're not really also mortgaging their future too, because it's not like their team is filled with vets. Like they have sauce who's on a rookie deal right now. Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Quentin Williams. They're going to have to pay either this year or they're just going to have to, I guess, pick up his option. I don't know what they're going to do with Quentin, but they got to figure that out. And they got to lock him up long-term because Quentin Williams is an all pro all is an all pro D lineman. And we need him. Um, and yeah, you bring that up too. And I want to get into that. Actually, Salen Rodgers will be an interesting pair. Um, I do think that I agree too, because you know, you look at Rob Sala He's this bald, jacked, I run stairs on game day. And then you have Aaron Rodgers, who's hippie, drug rug, I pop shrooms on game day. So very, very different and polar opposite game day rituals. Uh, I'll say that. So I wonder how that duo is going to work out. I mean, sometimes opposites attract. So you never know. It might, it might, they might hit it off. But the one thing I'm worried about is getting by a Pat Mahomes or a Joe Burrow. Not so much Josh Allen and the Bills. I don't really like, I think we can handle Josh Allen and the Bills, but Joe Burrow and the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. That's who I'm worried about. But that's also what excites me. The fact that we're talking about that, not that we're talking about, oh, can we get by the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins? No. Can we get by the top three teams in the AFC? So right now, I think we are a top three team in the AFC. I mean, obviously, there hasn't been one game played in 2023. Um, Obviously, training camp hasn't even started. But on paper, I think this Jets team, you could put them number three in the AFC right now. I think you can. Um, It's Super Bowl or bust. I I can't say it enough. If this team does not win a Super Bowl in the next two to three years, this whole entire trade was a failure. It's a failure because it's not like... Where the Mets, they go out there and they get Verlander and Scherzer. If they don't win, I and they also got Buck too as their manager. So they're really, they're they're going all in right now. But they also have a future. The Jets, they don't necessarily have a future because in two years we don't have a quarterback. We're we'll ju- we're just going to be in the same position that we were in last year. We have a great roster. We have great talent in Sauce. We got Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, all these guys. But we don't got we don't got a guy to lead them. So now we got a little Band-Aid, but this Band-Aid isn't just a Band-Aid. It's it's a go win a freaking Super Bowl right now. Right now. So no divisional round loss. And that, that's why I'm scared because Aaron Rodgers is known for not winning the big one. But at the end of the day, this team is now a top five team in the NFL, a top three team in the AFC. So the jets, they're ready to freaking roll in 2023 and I'm all pumped for it. Let's talk some, uh, let's talk some New York Mets though. Let's talk some New York Mets. Actually, let me skip the Mets real quick. Cause I I'm always talking Mets. Let's talk about these New York Yankees, these struggling New York Yankees. I'm going to talk about Anthony Volpe too. And the fact that he's just been outright awful. Um, we, I think, my I've overrated him. I think Yankees fans have overrated him and that's okay because he only played 22 triple a games. Maybe they rushed him. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, maybe Brett Beatty starting the lead, uh, starting the year off in triple a could have worked for him. Maybe Francisco Alvarez starting the year off in triple a could work for him. Alvarez hit a home run the other day, you know, Beatty, he went, he had another base knock the other day, you know, Maybe the patience is the way to go. The Mets might have, they might have cracked the code. Hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood. But Volpe, he's looked like absolute crap so far. No other better way to put it. I mean, he's had his moments, yeah. But overall, I'm going to pop it up right now. He's batting a terrible 194 right now. 194. He struck out 26 times. It is April 25th. Listen, now the Yankees have options. One, why are they leading him off? That's my first question for Yankees fans and the Yankees manager and Aaron Boone. Why is DJ LeMayu not leading off? DJ LeMayu is batting over 290. And DJ LeMayu is a proven leadoff hitter. Anthony Volpe's played 22 AAA games. He's hitting 194 and he struck out 26 times. So that's number one. Anthony Volpe, maybe move him down in the lineup. Maybe not all the way to ninth, but maybe don't lead the kid off, especially when your lineup is putrid, especially now that Giancarlo Stanton is on the IL for, what, six to eight weeks now. Rizzo has really been the only guy producing. Aaron Judge is only hitting 244. he He's been struggling. He'll obviously pick it up. But Glaber Torres, his production, that was at the beginning of the year. He was elite. It's really dropped off. Aaron Hicks is still the same Aaron Hicks. He sucks. Uh, Jose Trevino, he's nothing special. Kyle Lagashioka, he's nothing special. Oswaldo Cabrera, I thought I don't know. I don't know how to judge Oswaldo Cabrera yet. He's great in the in defensively. He can offer offer you a lot defensively, but offensively, he's he's nothing special either. So you look at this Yankees team and this Yankees lineup. That's the same Yankees lineup as last year. Actually, a worse Yankees lineup than last year because you don't have Matt Carpenter. They suck. The Yankees suck. Carlos Rodon, I don't see him. when is he going to pitch because 4 days ago he was just shut down. Uh, shut down throwing, not just pitching throwing. He couldn't throw a ball. And this is a guy who's never thrown over 180 innings in his entire career. And you gave him a 6-year deal. What are the What is what is Brian Cashman doing? What are the Yankees doing? What's their plan? What's their M.O.? Because right now, it's it's Aaron Judge is going to have to carry this team with Anthony Rizzo because D.J. Lemayu until they move into to the leadoff spot or acquire more talented guys in this lineup, because let's face it, the lineup sucks. Who's a threat in the Yankees lineup? Who scares you? Who scares the pitcher? Who lights the fear into the pitcher's eyes? Judge, obviously. Rizzo has been. But outside of those two, who? Not Anthony Volpe. DJ LeMayhew, maybe if you put him in a spot where he could score. Not Aaron Hicks. Not Jose Trevino. Not Josh Donaldson, who hasn't even been playing. There's no one. Now, when Stanton went down, I think all Yankees fans thought, okay, Stanton, you know, he's he hits 220, 230. He's not going to not gonna affect the Yankees that much well it is it is their last 15 games are below 500 they're horrible right now and then pitching wise I mean they're just the same way as the Mets right now they I mean obviously they have Garrett Cole he's lights out I am to be getting into him a little bit the one positive about the Yankees is Garrett Cole but Nestor Cortez hasn't looked like his Cy Young version last year, where he was a Cy Young candidate. That's for sure. Uh, he can change that tonight. And I think he will because I'm I still love the I love Nestor Cortez. And I think what he does for the Yankees is is underrated. But Garrett Cole, I mean, he's been lights out too. So that one two punch outside of those two. Severino's still hurt. So you need you need those two guys. You need those two guys back. So injuries are plaguing this rotation. And then their lineup it's just putrid. Putrid. Horrible. Terrible lineup. Now they can, they will stay afloat. Right now they're fourth in the AL East though. They'll stay in that wild card hunt maybe. But they need to make a move. They need to do something because with Stanton out for however long he's going to continue to be out for, this Yankees lineup is just going to be stale. It's that's the best way to put it. Aaron judge is the only hope that they have right now at scoring runs. Jose Quintana has more innings this year. Yep. I, I agree. I agree. Oh, yeah. What's this for Gallo and judge have the same RBIs hashtag uncomfortable conversations. Ooh, I like that. That's the, see, see, that's like the thing. If this lineup runs through judge, like the Mets, like we always say the the lineup runs through Pete Alonso, some may say, but it really doesn't. The lineup, like if Pete is not having a good day, we still got Brandon Nimmo. We still got Starlin Marte. Hopefully he can pick it up. And Lindor, hopefully they can pick it up. But we still got those two guys, McNeil, the Baden champion, the Yankees. If it's not Judge, who is it? Rizzo, yeah. But if it's not Rizzo or Judge, who is it? And Rizzo isn't going to be a guy who hits 62 home runs either. Aaron judge. The reason the Yankees won 99 games was because Aaron judge hit 62 home runs. You take Aaron judge off that team. They are a below 500 team. They are. So maybe not below 500. I'm over exaggerating. Maybe they're like an 85 win team, maybe an 80 win team. But the point is this lineup lives, breathes and dies Aaron judge. And that is a problem. And that was a problem going into the season. Yankees fans have said it they, for years. They need more than just Aaron judge Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. Maybe when like in the Chicago Cubs days in the 2016 Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's been, he's been playing great. The shift band has really, really benefited him. But I mean, can you expect Rizzo at his age to carry, carry this along all year long? I just don't know. So the line of through judge, and that's just a problem. But let's talk about the positive note with the Yankees. Garrett Cole lights out so far, 4-0 through five starts, 0.79 ERA. He's undoubtedly the best pitcher in baseball right now. He's he's The postseason that he had last year, he was stellar last year in the postseason. It's carrying on over. It's like Now that he's – it's just like he's comfortable in New York. He's used to it. I mean, when he was with Houston, he was a Cy Young candidate. And now – I mean, with New York, he was a Cy Young candidate as well. And he, I think – did he win a Cy Young? Um, but Garrett Cole right now, he's the best pitcher in baseball. Best pitcher in baseball. And there's not much other to say on him. I mean, his velocity is a little bit more up this year than last. He's throwing like he's looking a lot more like a pitcher, too. And he's still and he's in his prime too, which is the best. Like he's in his prime. So his physical like the physicalness that he's gonna bring, athleticism like all that it's going to be top notch and his mind like top notch too so Garrett Cole like I continue I I expect this to continue on all year I'm um, no I'm not saying he's going to have a sub 1 ERA but I dominant Garrett Cole book it book it he'll be dominant all year long probably the best pitcher in New York because one he's in his prime two Verlander and Scherzer I, I, I don't know I don't know we're going to get into them let's get into them the New York Mets, 14 and nine, second in the NL East. Second in the NL East. We got a comment. What's up, Chris? Cole is not only good, but he is also durable, which is incredible. Yes, that's another thing. And in the playoffs, he's proven he's the best playoff pitcher in New York, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. He's the best pitcher in New York now, now that DeGrom's gone, especially. Um, and that was the biggest thing that he had over to Grom. He actually pitched, but the Mets, man, they're playing great. Um, they're playing actually really good. They had a very good road trip. Obviously the last two games against the giants didn't go too well, but outside of that, I mean, when you factor in that their pitching has been outright awful, David Peterson has just been getting shelled. Carlos Carrasco is hurt, but he was getting shelled. This rotation sucks. Max Scherzer is now suspended. We're asking Joey Lacasey, a 29-year-old, basically rookie, to come out here and give us some stuff. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. Kodai Senga walks every other batter. I think that'll be fine soon. I think that's just maybe a little bit of getting used to it, but this Mets team really needs one guy, I think, to step it up in the rotation, and that guy's Kodai Senga. I, You know, I think we can't put – I hate to put the pressure on him right now. Um, Obviously, I'm not putting – it's not like Kodai Senga is going to hear me saying this, so I'm not putting pressure on him. But, you know, I think the one guy that I'd look at as a fan, as a big Mets fan, I'd be looking at Kodai Senga. We need him to step it up because Max Scherzer suspended right now, obviously, and obviously with his age – He hasn't looked great either. David Peterson looks awful. Tyler McGill, he's been shaky. So, and then Cookie Carrasco obviously hurt. And when he's not hurt, he's awful. Joey Lucchese just got here. So if there's one guy I'm going to be looking at to give us that consistent performance night in and night, well, start in and start out, it's going to be Kodai Senga. And all all it is is one quick fix. Don't walk as many guys. Don't walk as many guys. And it's that simple because he's got the stuff. He's striking out guys left and right. He's not letting up a lot of hits. He's not letting up a lot of hard contact. It's really just walks. That's what's killing him. He had four walks his last game. Pretty sure he had four walks the night before to his game before too. So I am really looking at Senga to really get it going. Um, but also lineup wise, we got to see Starlin Marte get it going. Really got to see Starlin Marte get it going. He's really been struggling a lot. Francisco Lindor has also been struggling. Before I do get into Lindor, I want to get into Brandon Immo and Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo right now, he's on pace for over 75 home runs. Pete Alonzo is on I'm going to say it again. Pete Alonzo is on pace for over 75 home runs. He has 10 home runs and it's not even May. He has 23 RBIs and April isn't over. Brandon Nimmo. he's playing like an MVP right now, too. Playing stellar defense in left field. He's hitting 350. He's got a 455 on base percentage. Nimmo OBP, baby. Nimmo OBP. Hopefully, Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez, they can start picking it up. I expect them to as they get more comfortable in this league. Um, but then again, they're only really young, so we shouldn't expect too much from them. As long as they're just showing good signs, showing flashes, and the Mets are winning. I think that's all Mets fans really want to see. Um, but it's a good it's a good sign to see the Mets are doing good, especially with the way that their pitching has been and especially with the way that Lindor and starler Marte, two guys who really need to make an impact, who haven't made an impact, how they've been performing. It's great to see how the Mets been playing. I mean, Jeff McNeil, he's been picking it up, Pete Alonso like I said, he's leading the league in home runs, he's scorching the ball every other night. Brandon Nimmo, probably the hottest hitter in all of New York baseball right now, hitting 350. So yeah, the Mets are rocking right now. They just need to they need to just get it going. They need to be more consistent. That's what it is. They need to get back to that consistent style of play. Because every now and then, like the Mets offense just doesn't show up. Just doesn't show up. I mean, in the three losses, that's really what happened. The Mets offense didn't show up. So we can't have that happen. Um, and really, the biggest guy that I'm looking at outside of Starla Marte. I hate to do it, but I'm gonna do it. Francisco Lindor. Our shortstop struck out 28 times so far, hitting only 221 right now. I'm looking at I'm looking at Francisco Lindor. Yes, the Mets are 14 and 9. So I'm not gonna over panic. But with the start that he had to his Mets, his Mets stint, obviously in 2021, it was god awful. He played, he had one of the best years of his career last year, I'd say. Probably a top three year in his career. I mean, this year, though, the slow start, I'm not going to say it's alarming because he was scorching hot in the WBC. But we've been saying it for about a month now. Lindor's going to get going. Lindor's going to get going. Yeah, yeah, Lindor's going to get going. Lindor's going to get going. No, no, yeah, Lindor's going to get going this week. Lindor's going to get going this game. Lindor... It's going to pop off and it still hasn't still hasn't now. He's coming up in some clutch spots, which is great to see. I still think Lindor is going to be in the MVP conversation come the end of the year, but it is getting a little like, it's just getting a little frustrating saying he's going to get it going this game. No, this game. He's going to get it going. No, this game. Lindor's going to get it going. Enough is enough. He's got to get it going. No other better way to put it because if Lindor gets it going, that means Lindor's is going to be rocking. Alonzo going to be rocking. Nimmo's going to be rocking. McNeil has just been picking it up. Hopefully Marte can pick it up a little bit, but he's been dealing with a lot of injuries so far to start the year. So, I mean, I'm not going to be too worried about Starlin Marte. As long as I, I want to see Starlin Marte honestly get as much rest as possible. And we got to start giving these kids some time in different positions in AAA. Ronnie Mauricio got to be playing around in the outfield, maybe second base. So you put Jeff McNeil maybe in left field. I don't know. But overall, Mets are fine and one thing I do want to get into with the Mets before I do end the show the buck show Walter hate my grandpa yes yes I, yeah. I didn't go too hard on him I said I said I still think he's gonna be an MVP Lay off my guy. This is typical Lindor. He's a slow starter. Now, the only reason I want to see Lindor get going is because I predicted Lindor to win the MVP this year, and I need to see him get going if I, I want. All right. The Buck defense. The Buck Showalter defense. Let's do it. Now, First off, we're 14 and nine with a terrible starting rotation right now. This camera isn't working. Let me fix it. Our starting rotation is outright terrible. It, there's no other better way to put it. A lot of people were trying to get on Buck because he didn't get kicked out or, uh, I mean, he didn't get tossed when Max got tossed. Yeah, people just get on Buck. For any little reason, Buck gives anybody a chance to get on him. But what we need to realize with Buck Showalter, with any manager in baseball, there are going to be more, there, they're going to be more positive than negatives, at least with the good ones, right? Dusty Baker, for instance. Boy, you brought it up the other day. Um, Boy, yeah, you brought it up the other day. I'm, I'm giving you credit. I'm giving you credit. He brought up the other day, I mean, like, we can't just hate on Buck to hate on Buck. When Buck actually bucks up, yeah, hate on him. But the little things, the little, little, little minor errors, come on. Do we really need to go overboard and say, Buck is the worst manager in the whole entire world? Why is he the New York Mets manager? Anybody else that's managing this team could put them in a better position to win? I think that's a little overboard. Buck has been the best manager that I could think of in a long time. That's managed this New York Mets team. We got to think of what he's done for this team last year. Everyone. Yeah. You could clown me all you want for the hundred one wins. I get clowned all the time for the hundred one wins. Listen, at the end of the day, this team won hundred one wins and they were a sub 500 team before Buck show Walter took them over. And it relatively was the same exact roster. And it was the team that had Jacob deGrom going into the year and he only provided them five wins that year, too. So that's another thing. Buck was able to fix the relationship of Lindor and McNeil. Remember, they were choking each other out in the locker room. Buck fixed that. Edwin Diaz feeling all the pressure for some re- for, for some odd reason. I mean, not some odd reason. Obviously, you feel a lot of pressure pitching in City Field. Edwin Diaz feeling all that pressure. Who did Edwin Diaz say was a huge help for him in 2022? Buck Showalter. Lindor, same thing. Buck Walter he he credits him look on the rich eyes and show so i just think we got to credit buck for more things than not yes analytically and all the little like could we st- i feel like sometimes he's actually too analytical where like he's batting canna fifth instead of mcneil fifth it's just mcneil should be batting second i think i think that's the best spot for him but that's my opinion but then again buck is the manager so whatever buck thinks i think is the best best decision for this team because listen one McNeil has been bad second here and there too now so that's nice um but I just think Buck like the issue with Buck is he just hasn't won the big one and that's why it's so easy to harp on him because he hasn't won the big one You know, we had that stack team with the Yankees. And then obviously after the lockout, things didn't end well. They're on the way. Apparently they're well on their way to winning a World Series, right? Then the lockout happened. Um, He loved Derek Jeter too, who was a very young kid at the time. So I don't want to say Buck hates the kids. And I don't want to say Buck just, you know, completely disregards the kids. I think it's that sometimes too, he's also trying to not disregard the other guys in the locker room because one of the biggest thing that harped the new York Mets in 2020 uh in 2021 was the locker room beef the locker room beef screwed up the Mets the Mets hopes of that playoff run in 2021 it did so keeping that locker room intact making sure everybody everybody's emotions are intact nobody's going overboard nobody's way too upset with another guy for potentially stealing their position because we all know how the media in New York handles things. So I think Buck is probably one of the best managers for this team right now. And you could love me or hate me for saying it, but I just think that's that's just what I think. I think he puts this team in the best position to win. And I think if we end up failing at the end of the year in a similar way that we did last year, where we fell up short towards the end of the year. You can see Atlanta Braves, obviously, we got swept. And then the two to one loss in the wild card round to the uh, San Diego Padres. If we lose an early postseason series where we blow a division lead in like the last 10 games of the year, yes, get on Buck. But right now, I think it's too early. Let Buck buck up. Because Buck is going to Buck up. It's a 162 game season, but there are going to be more Bucks than Buck ups. So that's, that's the best way to put it. It's that's the only way that I could put it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna clip it for today because that's all I got for today. Thanks for those who are listening. Thank you, David, for joining in today. Talking some Knicks preview tomorrow. I'm gonna be going live. I'm going to be having Bori from Amish Country Mets. Make sure you check out that channel too. Make sure you check out the Top Bunk Sports channel. Shay and Shuns too. Thank you for joining and popping in with the static pod. Thank you, Chris, for joining in. Thank you all you guys for supporting. Shout out Blunt Thoughts Hector too. Even though you couldn't make it today, I know you're going to be watching this later. So shout out Hector. Shout out Blunt Thoughts. Make sure you check out all those guys. Love you guys. Deuces.